Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 51. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. Today, we have the great privilege of yet another fantastic female who has had huge success in real estate investing and house flipping, and she is taking time out of her busy, productive day to share wisdom and experience with us, which I'm so thankful for. This young lady started her real estate career, I'll call it a career, by pulling weeds in Pomona, California in 1991 for a Slurpee. I'm sure some of us can relate to that, that our parents would motivate us with little treats and things like that. And Amy's father later purchased a fourplex and she got the opportunity to help him rehab it in the late 90s. She has had a very adventurous and ambitious path, and she's done a lot of this with her father, too, and I cannot wait to hear about some of their amazing stories and the millions of dollars that have flowed through their hands in their business, too. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Amy Jones. Hi, Holly. How are you? Great. Well, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more of your backstory and background beyond the beginnings in Pomona and let them know, you know, like a brief overview of kind of your whole thing and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, when I turned 18, I was very ambitious. I packed everything that I had into my car and drove halfway across the country and landed in Colorado Springs. And I ended up getting a job as a pizza delivery driver. I ended up promoting to a restaurant general manager by the time I was 20 years old. And that's where I really started personally flipping. I started flipping broken restaurants. So I flipped 13 of those um, from breakdown, worst of the worst to best of the best. And the system that I used, it took 90 days from the day I walked in to the day it was number one. And I did that restaurant. Oh, the things that I learned in the restaurant career have transposed into uh, the real estate and the business side of real estate investing. My dad, I called him, I believe it was 2003. I said, dad, I'm tired of, of the long hours and being on my feet. Like it's very, very rewarding, but I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. He said, well, then you can get back into real estate. I said, okay. He goes, help me find a fourplex. If you find a fourplex that I like, I need to do a 1031 tax deferred exchange. We'll buy it. So I did. And so we bought that and I partnered with him on it as the property manager and was given an equity share of that property to manage it, maintain it, um, and do all that. And then in 2005, I moved back to California to study directly with my dad, learn um, how how to manage his portfolio. He had flips, he had buying holds, he had out of state investments. And anybody who was in California in 05 knows that that was the um, beginning of the end. So we're moving all of our real estate from 
uh, California from the coastal market inland. We had a fourplex in Phoenix. We want to move that as well because it, it follows California market. Uh, we bought apartments in Austin, Texas, apartments in Denver, Colorado, and parked a lot of money at that time and then waited for the market to come back around. And then in 2009, we jumped back into foreclosures in Los Angeles. So we partnered with one of the largest distressed purchasers in Los Angeles at the time and supported him from an operational standpoint, building that company from 13 million in sales to 77 million in sales the last year we were there. And then in 2014, we decided to move back to Colorado Springs as uh, the last retirement venture for my dad. So we built a new company here that we in. And the goal of that company was to have him retire after the systems, the structure, and the team was built. So I would like to say that today my dad is on his way to Thailand, and he's doing the retirement thing very well. Awesome. Wow. What a rewarding experience to do this business with a family member. And of course, that it worked out well. Not everybody has that experience, but I'm really happy for you two that it did. But yeah, well, we have so many people on our podcast who either have never flipped a house or maybe, you know, thinking about they've done some education or maybe they tried one and didn't really do that well. So why don't you take us back to maybe one of your earlier flips and tell us, you know, more about it, like maybe how you got it, how you guys used to market for deals and take us back to one of your beginning deals, if you would. Well, I'll give you my very first deal, which was an accident. I was, uh, I believe I was 18 or 19 years old. I bought a mobile home for $5,000, 0% owner finance note with $100 a month payment. And uh, part of the way into the, I offered the owner a cash buyout. I ended up paying, I think, 3000 for that property and then turned around and sold it for five. So that was my first actual flip, but I didn't realize that that's what I'd done. Awesome. <laughs> so once you accidentally do one, it, it builds that level of confidence. You're like, oh, I know how to, I've done this before. I didn't realize that's but I know how to do this. Um, with the regular flips, it's, I'll, I'll take you back to the beginning of this company. We walked into a brand new market. So we had wisdom and we had the experience, but what we didn't know, we didn't know the market. We didn't know where to buy. We didn't know who the buyers were. We didn't have a team in place. We didn't, we didn't have a contract. We didn't have anything. We didn't have a business name. Wow. What we did was, the first thing we did was declared our business name, which was the Superior Renovated Homes and filed documents. Now, I wouldn't necessarily, we did that so that we could purchase the property with the business from the beginning when, when we found the property. Um, the next thing we did in this market is we studied it. We analyzed this market fully for three months without making a purchase. So uh, I called title and I asked them for a list of buyers that had purchased three or more properties in the last six months in my county. And why did you do that? And why did you pick three? And why did you go back that far? And why was that relevant? Because I wanted to know who the real players in the real estate community were. And I figured if they bought three or more properties in the last six months, they're currently active and they're in motion. Mm. I don't want to talk to people who 
had a good idea or had a lot of education, but weren't actually doing deals. I wanted to talk to the, who's actually doing something now. Right. So I built um, that list of people and I started making phone calls and having lunch with the people who were currently active in this market to find out, you know, what do I need to know? What's different? What, what do I need to know about the building department? What do I need to know about construction? Who's who in construction? Who would you not hire? Who have you hired? Do you have anybody available? <laughs> what would you recommend? Um, even looking for hard money lenders, everything that we've built and their teams have all been word of mouth. All of them. That's awesome. Now, let me just ask you one more question that a new person I know would ask. Yes. When you called those people and said, hey, can I take you to lunch? You know, a common thing that people will say is, can I take you to lunch and pick your brain? And I got to tell you, I am personally, am not excited for someone to say that to me. Like, I don't need my brain picked. Your free lunch is not worth it for me. My time is too valuable. So what was it that you said to these investors? Like, what was in it for them? Because that's definitely, you know, in anything, you have to say what's in it for them. And you can't just be take, take, take. So I did. I had a little bit of an advantage. I, I already had a, a business plan in place. We knew what we were going to do and what our goals were. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different when you come from a background and say, hey, last year I did $77 million in sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so people, now they want to take me to lunch. Absolutely. But the new investor world, what I can share in that frame of reference is I am most likely to be receptive to people who are very outgoing, have a personality, and have something that they can offer. So mm. both time, I, you know what? My time is so incredibly valuable that I can't afford to have you pay for my lunch. Right. <laughs> and that's true with a lot of real investors who are playing the game. Now, what I will tell you is there was a guy at the sale um, month ago. He approached me. And it wasn't what he said. It was how he was being. He was super enthusiastic. And he's, he's a door knocker. That's who he is. He says, look, this is my name. I'm a door knocker. I'm a community. I'm one you'll share with me your criteria. So if I come up against anything that would meet your needs, that I could contact you as a potential buyer. What a great way to introduce yourself as a new person to an experienced person. That sounds fantastic. And anybody who's buying, especially in a tight market, we want to be on every list possible. Yes. I don't care who brings me a deal, a deal, make sure there's enough money in it for me. Yep. Bring me a good deal. I will buy them all. Bring me three bad deals in a row. I'm not going to spend the time looking at them anymore. So yep. Present a good offer or a good deal. So this well said. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. And his personality, he was one of those, he's going to be amazing. I have no doubt in my mind. So it's actually advanced to the point where I have with my lead wholesale funnel. I've shared the door knocker with him and with my short sale agent lead generator. I'm like, use him train him, develop him. He is going to be a huge asset to your team. I love it. Well, and, and while we're still on the subject of this um, person that impressed you tremendously, mm-hmm. if one of our listeners doesn't necessarily have the great social skills and presentation skills to go up to someone like you and, and talk like that, how would you suggest that they learn to become that way? Do you have any advice on that? 
Um, if they're single, I would say go somewhere and start um, flirting with people of the opposite sex. Wow, I love that. <laughs> if they're not single, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that your partner. <laughs> but I would say put themselves in awkward situations intentionally to get past that that angst in the stomach because as soon as you do something a few times and you have evidence it goes away I love it that is great advice I mean I have to say too that my own outgoingness and ability to to talk to people and win people over has come from many years of you know studying personal development yep. the wonderful book how to friend win friends and influence people and things like that and watching other people and modeling them so when you see someone real really outgoing and well-spoken you know if, if you're at a store follow them around if you can't if you're not too creepy or Take them to lunch or something or ask them on a date if you're single. <laughs> so, go. yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, because that guy presented him, well, look at all the doors you opened for him. Yeah. That's his, amazing. His entire future altered with one conversation. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I do. I do. Wow. It's very exciting because the reality is we love to train. Yep. We just do. We just like, to spend our time on people who will utilize and take it to the next level. Amen, sister. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, great. Well, um, I think I kind of stopped you there in, that tra in your tracks. I don't know if you can get back on track or if you want to share another story, but um, yeah, tell us some more. The good one for starting. Um, getting the title competitor list will give you an idea of who's, who's doing what in the area. And I would, I would stick to a farm area. And with real estate, the great thing is that there's so many different avenues to pursue. And the difficult thing is that there's so many different avenues to pursue. Yes. So one of the things that I've seen is uh, I went to a land trust seminar. And there were so many people there that had no assets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how to protect their assets. And I'm like, you don't have any assets to protect. Go get yep. it. Stop, stop spending, you know, learn a little implement, learn a little implement. Because the reality is, is our real learning curve happens in the field. It happens boots to the ground. It's the, the experience where we know, oh, okay, well, that was not a good idea. We should not do that again. And yeah. what I say is um, real estate risk is mitigated by education. So the more you know, the better off you are. And it, it's wonderful to learn from others who have made the mistake to avoid the mistakes. But a lot of it, you, you just have to learn doing it. You just do it. Yeah, that's true. And even people who may, you know, mentor you and help you, they haven't necessarily encountered everything or what you're going to encounter. So you're never going to know everything and like, well, I'm going to study for three years, know everything, and I will just go out there and knock it out of the park because I'll know everything and I'll be perfect. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I've been over a thousand houses and I'm still learning. Yeah. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know how we manage that. We should call somebody who knows something about that. Maybe they know how to manage that. Yes. That's a good one, too. Your network is, is huge. So you don't have to know. You just have to know who to call. 
That is exactly right. And I was just coaching someone last week and telling him how important it is to have a group of go-to people that you can either email. I mean, I've got a little mastermind group. We meet in Huntington Beach every month and we have an email group on Google. It's so easy to set up. And we're all experienced, successful, years of experience, but you'll see at least one email a week go out to the group when someone says, oh, I got this weird title issue. Who knows the solution to this? And we're all copied on the solution and we're all learning all the time. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so that's key. You've got to have this business. You will be so much more successful in this business with friends and associates than trying to do it all by yourself. You're just not going to have the same success. Huge, huge point right there is um, my experience of this business is I don't have competitors. Oh, that is a great attitude to have. Tell us why. <laughs> because who am I call if I need a stucco guy? Do you have stucco in Colorado? <laughs> Going to call somebody who uses the stucco guy. Yeah. Who's your stucco guy? Who am I going to call when I have a title issue? Who am I going to call when I have something go wrong in a weird basement? No offense, I'm not going to call someone from California. <laughs> what do I do? Basement? I don't know what you do with a basement. We don't have basements. Yeah, he's like, what's a basement? Which <laughs> <laughs> was a learning curve when we started flipping here. We're like, well, what is the value of the basement? How does that hit appraisal? What is the difference in cost of square foot? You know, it's all a learning curve moving from market to market. Mm -hmm. But what I also find is that we're heavy on properties or we're heavy on money or we're heavy on contractors, or we're short on contractors, but nothing in our pipeline is ever smooth. Yeah, the balance just doesn't exist. I mean, you're always needing more of something, aren't you? <laughs> but it does exist when your competition becomes your partnerships. Yeah, your collaborators, exactly. Yeah. So I don't like playing competition. And now I get like in bidding wars and everything else, and I go to the public auction. So... I'm sitting in a room bidding against people, you know, mm -hmm. and my major competitors and my biggest friends and alliances are in those rooms. Those are the guys I call. I call the people from the auction. Hey, what do you, what'd you do when you had this problem? So I remember looking at it and I know you had that. So, but it's, it's comforting to know that you're not alone in this business. And it's awesome to be able to pick up the phone and call people that are in your area so you're going after some of the same property from some of the same funnels. Yeah, absolutely. Well, since you brought up the auction, I would love for you to educate our listeners a little bit about that. Keeping in mind, Amy's in Calif uh, California, Colorado. I'm yep. in California. And this is different state by state and sometimes county by county. In California, we do it at what's called the courthouse steps and... Mm -hmm. It's you show up with cash and you get one slip of paper and you own it then and there and there's no title insurance. And it is a high stakes, high risk game that I really advise beginners to stay away from. You need to do it with someone that knows the game or you could get hurt. But teach us about how that works in Colorado. It actually, so I started foreclosures in Los Angeles County. So I purchased the majority of my foreclosures there in California. Colorado is... Um, is a trustee state. We do, we don't house steps. We, do a, we actually do a, a, and I think that might be because weather here. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, but it's it's very similar and same thing. You when you are the winning bidder, you go cashier's checks, and it's done. Wow. Can you tell us some stories of some that you've bought and have you ever been hurt or burned by buying there that like um, something I entirely didn't know about or have you heard of people doing that? Yeah, you know, the biggest one I've watched people do is buying second or third drug deeds and oh. not. Yeah. Painful. For those who don't know, if you buy a second trustee to own the property, you have to pay off the first as well. So if you buy a $100,000 second and the first is $200,000, you didn't buy the property for $100,000, you bought it for $300,000. Yes. Well said. Yes. So they think they bought it for $100,000 and it was a great deal. So I've literally watched people walk out of the auction knowing that they were $50,000 upside down before they put in the rehab. Oh my gosh. And we didn't see those investors again because it takes a long time to recover from those if they end up choosing. So I agree with you. Uh, foreclosure auctions are not for the new investor. It is a high risk, high stakes cash play game. Um, and you get options of doors or running inspections or anything. You don't, you don't get into most of these properties. They're usually from an exterior visual guess. Yep. Absolutely. And our, my experience in California was we needed a team. We needed someone at the auction, someone on a computer. I mean, that would be my husband on the computer at our house. And then someone to do a visual inspection the morning of the auction to make sure it hadn't burned down. Because yeah. if you buy it and it was burned down last night, you still bought it. You bought just it. bought the land and you bought a demo job. <laughs> so, yeah. We when we're in California, we had a team of approximately 20 people to manage foreclosure auctions. Wow. So we had, we had uh, me and another girl doing the comparative analysis for the ARV and digging into like HOA issues or concerns, um, FHA availability inside of condominium complex. We had one person running title. We had a person running, um, managing our drivers. We had like five to seven drivers in the field in different areas and the drivers would get there and take a video looking at specific items send the video back to the office we would watch the video and base our bids based on that video what a great system you sound like you had it down oh yeah oh yeah we would make up to half million dollar decisions in three to five minutes on a drop bid it was crazy Oh yeah, I remember. We, well, we never did anything that big. I think one time we bought a house and I think it was sight unseen. Don't do this at home, new people. And we got lucky. I mean, we didn't know much about it, but we had to make a decision in three minutes. Yep. Take it or leave it. And we did. And it turned out to be a great deal. But it's definitely high stakes, high risk, and you should never bet more than you can afford to lose because that's how it is. Bruce. Now in Colorado, there's a little bit of a difference. We don't have drop bids here. So for anybody who doesn't know, in California, the lender can bid during the, or can call the bidder auctioneer during the auction and give the opening bid. In Colorado, they have to submit their lender's bid by noon the day before the sale. Hmm. And the challenge with that is that everybody else gets notified about it at noon the day before the sale. Right. And that's what gave us a competitive edge with the drop bids. If you got someone that yeah. can do a three-minute comp, like, okay, I know, you know, opening bid was 200, now it's 75. You're like, what? That's a great deal. Let's get this. <laughs> so, 
yeah, there'd be big changes. We would analyze a lot of them that either didn't have an opening bid. Most of them didn't have an opening bid. Just so when those drop bids came in, we were already prepared. Wow. Fantastic. In, in 2011 through 2013, there were thousands of properties a day. It was like 35 pages of foreclosures with uh, 13 properties per page. Yeah. <laughs> That's when we got out of it. The big hedge funds came in and they would pay market value for properties because all they had to do was make a 5% return a year by turning that property into a rental. Yep. And we were used to buying things at 60 cent, 60% of after repaired value whenever we had cash. I mean, that had been going on for like three years. I'm like, wow, why haven't we been flipping houses forever? This is awesome. Right. Well, that opportunity dried up really quickly, like overnight for us, like, okay. Plan B, time to adapt, be flexible, and we have to change up. So were you impacted that same way? Did you feel the same hit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't go after – in real estate, the market shifts, and it's cyclical. So foreclosures are awesome for a little bit, and no way for – California was mostly a seven-year cycle on average, so it's usually like five years off, two years on. And you just watch the statistics, but you got to be ready to jump markets. If you get really good, one of the really good books I like about that is Who Moved My Cheese? Yes. If you're not willing to move with the market, you're not going to make it until the cycle comes. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay. Just know when to drop out of the cycle. Don't keep chasing the same cheese. It goes away for a while. Yeah. You've got to be adapting and flexible. I just had a... <laughs> I'll call her a learning investor. So somebody new and learning who's not done any deals. She told me, hey, Holly, I posted bandit signs um, all around in Dana Point, which is the little beach town I live in. I didn't get a single call. And I'm thinking, well, of course not, because there's not really probably a single distressed seller in Dana Point, really. And the people that call those are distressed sellers. And I was just looking at, in the Orange County MLS, our total distressed properties on market, you know, short sales, anything that, you know, someone in distress is down to 1.7% of all listings. It was like, I don't know, 80, 83 or 183 homes. It was really small. So, hey, it's going to be really hard to find deals here. So you either got to go somewhere else to find deals or lower your expectations when the pond you're fishing in doesn't have any fish. <laughs> or you got to find other ways to get to homeowners because you're always going to have divorce and you're always going to have uh, death. You're always, you're always going to have those really impactful moments in people's lives where the real estate becomes a problem and not an asset anymore. Yes, absolutely. But the market, when it's rising, makes it less of a challenge to solve and more of a, it's just sitting on equity. So go sell it retail, what most people do. Mm -hmm. Don't get stuck in it as, as much. Yeah. Well, gosh, we've already been talking so much and haven't gotten to a thing I was most excited for you to discuss, which is your personal experience and belief in the power of people. Um, talk to us about that and why you believe in it and how you've seen it impact your business. So I actually just made a, a post on Facebook last night about karma cuts. So I had a friend of mine who was pursuing the deal. 
and this deal was her dream deal and she had an opportunity it was it was gone and then an opportunity came back up to get the property that she was chasing and the opportunity was a 2.8 million dollar opportunity and she didn't have the 2.8 million dollars but i have a friend who invests in commercial real estate does have that money and the deal would have worked for him as well so i'm like um you guys should like that that's a good idea and then uh, another friend of mine goes well what'd you get out of that deal you know agents get like three percent like did you get like one percent commission no i got a karma cut he goes what's a karma cut i was like dude it comes back it comes. so we focus really highly on making sure that our first intention is taking care of the people, taking care of the people who work with us, taking care of even our competitors that you wouldn't normally take care of. My closing table is a celebration and it's very not typical for the seller to buy the buyer and the buyer's agent a gift, but we do it every table, every time. Oh, okay. You need to explain a little bit more about this and what it is and why you do it. Cause I have not heard this said before. Yes. So at every close, okay. So actually what happened is I had a really, I had an appraisal that came in short and we had a, a negotiation um, dissonance is the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And they asked to close at separate closing tables. Now in Colorado, we actually physically go to title and sign the documents together at a closing table. So that was heartbreaking for me because I, I do all this work. I buy the property. I fix the property. And what I want to see is their face and I hand the keys. Mm -hmm. And these guys said, no, we don't want to meet you. We just want our house. So we went through this whole thing. We ended up going to the same closing table. And when we went to the closing table, we showered them with gifts to um, really just, just to lift the unease and what whatever we had created over there with them in their perspective of us of we wanted them to know that we were grateful for them and they were the reason we did it so that table changed everything so after that experience oh the lender was involved everybody was involved it was this big blow up and this big like camaraderie get back together it's really cool so i actually i bought the lender a gift card for lunch just to thank him for all the work that he had done. He is now my favorite and preferred lender in Colorado. Wow, cool. <laughs> and I take a gift card to the lender every closing table now because they never, ever get acknowledged, ever. And they can make or break a deal. And they just, and I've been on financing side and dealing with paperwork and the criteria. And I wasn't a mortgage lender or anything else, but I dealt with um refinances and stuff. I know what the paperwork process looks like um, from the investor standpoint, but a lot, a lot of those when I was out there with a the high volume. So I just, I just want them to know that I get it and I appreciate it. Um, and our buyers, we put together a package with, it has a little tool set and it has uh, paint cans with a label with what the paint is, how to get more, where we bought it from what is the SKU number so that if they ever need touch-up paint for the house they have a court with them and then they have the ability to get more um, we put their key on a like a keychain we do what else do we do and it, it morphs it changes so and then the buyer's agent I buy them a gift card for lunch for 
they are half of the team that gets the deal closed. So I consider them part of my contract. That is so awesome, Amy. I've never heard of anyone doing this. And believe me, I've talked to a lot of other investors in my almost nine years of doing this business. That is really smart. And it definitely gets you, what do you call it, a karma cut? Yes. I guess you're not getting a cut of a deal, but reputation is yes. powerful and your name will get out there. And I'll tell you, it's you know, if you're just kind of doing business as you should, nothing really gets said about you. If you're going above and beyond like you are, people are going to know that, remember it, and talk about you in a good way. If you're screwing people, people are going to talk about you in a bad way. So yeah, I mean, go, go for that. Building your reputation for sure. Agents chase my homes. They love closing with me. We always have a blast at the closing table. It's just, it's a fun experience and we make it fun. That's awesome. Yeah, we don't ever, I don't, in California, did you ever meet people in person or not? DocuSign. <laughs> yep, that's how it is for me too. I mean, even when deals close, people are arranging for exchange of keys through couriers and stuff. Like very rarely does anybody ever meet with people. Which is a good one. So for that, what I also started doing, I don't do it anymore. I, I did a test on it, but it would work really well in the California market. I had a, uh, a send out cards account. Yeah. I would do after I closed it, I, I would send a customized card with a picture of their home, my logo, and a congratulations on it. Love that. And That's great. Where, where is somebody going to put a card that has a picture of their home on it? Not in the trash, I'll tell you that. They're going to on their mantle if they have a fireplace or, you know, somewhere special where they keep stuff like that. Yeah. So, and there's, there's little ways to do, do things, even when you don't meet in person, just to say that, you know what, I appreciate you. I, I sent brownies to my title officer because she does an awesome job running all of my O&Es and prepping me for O&Es, owner encumbrance report for preparation of title on my foreclosures. So, you know, just little things where people go above and beyond. I always try to take a moment and just acknowledge them and say, you know what? I appreciate you. That's awesome. Because I'll tell you, I have not bought all of my deals from realtors. Sometimes oh. they're from regular people that are not even in the real estate industry, but someone knows about me and yep. obviously has a good enough opinion about me to refer me into the deal. Cause like even your buyers that if, I mean, I don't know if you put anything, if you let them know, but Hey, if you ever know of a, someone needs to sell a house fast, you know, or whatever, you can tell that we treat, we like to treat people right. And we love the opportunity to help your friends or family that, that need to sell something. I mean, that, that just goes such a long way when you treated them so well. Who are they going to call? You know, Amy that sent them a nice gift, or are they going to look at the bandit sign and take a risk on someone that they don't even know? So, yeah. I've, I've got a fun story for you real quick. Yeah. My most interesting for sale by owner deal. I bought a house, and it was a, an old house. It was built in like 1898, super old. And it had a lot of stuff in it. So we ended up doing an estate sale and somebody who bought a radio from me ended up um, helping me clean out the house with his grandson. And then I bought his daughter's boyfriend's house. Wow. That is such a good story. 
came to my estate sale and because of who I was and just how I was being and what I was doing. And he's like, you're doing this by yourself. I'm like, yeah. He's like, me and my grandson will come help you. And they did. And it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. And then he ended up running part of my estate sale. <laughs> and we, we split the profits and he put money towards the, his grandson's Cub Scouts. It was, it was just good all the way around. I love it. Good karma get going every which way. I love it. <laughs> you never know where your next deal is going to come from. So you treat everybody great because you never know. Yes, absolutely. That's so great. Well, as we're wrapping up here, do you have any more um, things you'd like to share, maybe about people that have worked for you or with you or stories about that or just another story about another great real estate deal? Um, I think... For me, with me, I think a lot of I'm going to go with the reputation. When we got into town, one of the things I did was I started building reputation with deal funnel people. And what I mean by deal funnel people is who are the wholesalers, um, and who are like who are the agents who are doing REOs, who are the agents who are doing short sales, who are the who are the people who are really doing a lot of transactions. And I want to be their best friend. Um, those people have become some of my dearest friends. And even if I never buy, I have never bought a deal from them, which most of them I have, actually all of them I have, but even if I never bought a deal from them, we'd still be great friends. So I think that's, that's the huge part is when you focus on the people, the deals happen. When you focus on the deals, you lose the people. Oh, that is a good quote. I love that. <laughs> Fantastic. You're just a, a wealth of information. So awesome. Well, listeners, Amy has generously provided her, I'm going to call this your business plan. It's over just over four pages. And um, why don't you tell people about it and what you put in it? This is going to be our free download of the episode. So sure. what would you like to say about it? What I actually did was I was doing a brain dump on what it took to build a multi-million dollar business from scratch in less than a year. And that's what I did. It's the, it's basically the step-by-step -step process without the in-depth details of each step. It is fantastic. As I just like flick through it right now, I mean, she even has notes like parties, um, picnic, make sure you do before and after photos, and like a lot of this stuff. If you're new and starting as an investor, you figure out along the way because at the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. You don't even know what questions to ask because you don't know what kind of things you should be asking about. So this that Amy's providing reveals so many, to, so many subjects and things to you that you wouldn't even necessarily think about or that wouldn't be covered in any you know, classes or trainings you've been to. So definitely download it. Um, fantastic information. It's a great like look forward into a big, huge company that if that's the direction you want to go, you know, if you're staying small, following her advice and tips and her plans is going to have you you get so much more success so amy tell everybody you know how they can learn more about you you know your website and where they would go to, to talk to you more sure uh, our website is www.superiorrenovatedhomes.com um, and they can reach me either on facebook at amy jones we have a facebook page at superior renovated homes and they can reach me via email at amy at superiorrenovatedhomes.com I love it. Well, thank you. You have been so generous with your knowledge. 
And I know a couple of other investors in Colorado already tried to connect one of them with you. So, I mean, it just goes to show too, when you are a generous, kind, quality person like Amy, I mean, people, I mean, I'm like wanting to help her. I'm like, oh, I know another new investor. He's doing some flips. Who? Maybe I can connect him with her and maybe the two of them would be able to do some business together. I mean, just the power of reputation and treating people well. I mean, that's the whole theme of the show here, which Amy is just exemplary at. So make sure you go to get the free download at hardhatholly.com forward slash 51 and get the inside peek into Amy's success. Fantastic. So thank you so much, Amy. You've been so generous and I just wish you all the success. Thanks again. Thank you. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.